Good morning. morning. You know, you wonder if Troy wants me to preach a shorter or smaller sermon or something like that with a smaller table right here. Hope you all are doing okay. I got to give him a hard time every so often, right? Hope you all are doing well. We are, uh, we're looking forward to, uh, to sharing, uh, sharing the Lord's Supper in, in just a moment. But I want to continue, uh, this morning our series on prayer, but kind of take it in a, a slightly different direction, focusing this Sunday and the coming three Sundays, uh, on the book of Habakkuk or Habakkuk or however you want to pronounce that. Uh, <clears throat> so if, if you can find that, you know, go to the end to Malachi and then you just flip backwards a little bit and you'll get to it. There'll be a, Sephaniah and a Zechariah and a Haggai and stuff like that before that. And then you get them all the way back to Nahum, you're too far, right? So just stop at Habakkuk. And I'll read in just a moment. And the focus here on these three Sundays uh, coming here beginning today will be, you know, what's going on? You know, uh, how do we seek to understand God in a time when everything seems to go every, right? To just go crazy. I mean, there's another word for that. Um, and we are, we are looking for God, uh, this, this morning in chapter one. And we have to admit that things are just strange. The world around us look difficult. We have polarization in so many ways we can't even imagine it. We got racial polarization and social polarization, financial polarization, uh, just in every way you can imagine, political and so on and so forth. Evil is seeming to get at us from every angle. How in the world are we living in a world that is so strange and so weird that we can't be walking in a parade on a July 4th without risking to be shot. We can't send our kids to school without worrying whether they're going to come back. We can't be... You know what I'm talking about. This is indeed a time that is incredible. And way too often this church in the midst of all that is is just part of that in in some ways. And, And people outside are concluding, well, you know, it's just... Church is irrelevant. And then we get to, to, uh, to the personal level and, and thinking also, how is it that we, every time we, we look at any kind of news media, uh, we have to hear about, uh, about mental illness, about depression, about difficulty and personal pain and, and, and suicide and, and hate and anger and, and division and egotism to the point where if someone does something good for another person, it's now front page news. Have you noticed that? Like, yeah, we help someone else. And it, it don't have to be on the front page because of that. But, oh, can you believe he or she did that and didn't even anticipate to get something in return for it? We live in a difficult time. And Habakkuk speaks to that. And, and, and we need to kind of look at that in a, in a direct kind of strong Strong way, and and as this is this is difficult to tackle for people in general. It seems to be even more difficult to tackle uh, as a Christian, and part of that is because at the very center of our worldview, the way we understand the world and everything going on in it, is an Almighty God who has revealed Himself as a loving Father to us. 
And therefore, when our desire for life and our joy uh, and, and gratitude for fellowship and, and our, our, our excitement uh, about uh, engagement in the world and experience of love and all that, when that seems to dissipate or, or, or get attacked, it is as if our whole foundation disappears. The way we have looked at the world now seems to be in danger. Why is it that God seems invisible? We need for him, like never before, don't we, to reveal himself in our midst, to make himself visible in a strong, strong way. Now, if you would turn to me, uh, turn with me now to Habakkuk, if you found it, if not, it's going to be uh, on your screen. Because this is exactly the situation that Habakkuk experienced. He found himself in the most tumultuous of time, both socially and internationally and, and personally. Things around him were out of control. It looked like God had left his people. The spiritual life of God's people were at an all-time low Social injustice had, had split the people and, and given rise to, to evil and, and face to it right in the midst of God's holy city, Jerusalem. The empire of the Babylonians were kind of on their march and it was just a, time, a matter of time before they would reach Jerusalem. God's own city would be captured. By this mighty kingdom, God's own people would be exiled from God's city. Habakkuk is frustrated and worried and said, what's going on? How come that God seems to be silent? How come I can't see his hand clearly anymore? This was crisis. Before long, Jerusalem would be flattened. There will be not left a stone on the, on the holy temple built by Solomon and things would just be destroyed. And yet, heaven seemed silent. And so here we pick up the pronouncement that the prophet Habakkuk saw. How long, Lord, must I call for help? And you do not listen. Or cry out to you about violence and you do not save. Why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Oppression and violence are right in front of me. Strife is ongoing and conflict escalates. This is why the law is ineffective and justice never emerges. For the wicked restrict the righteous. Therefore justice comes out perverted. Look at the nations and observe, God answers here, and be utterly astounded. For I'm doing something in your days that you will not believe when you hear about it. Look, I'm raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter, impetuous nation that marches across the earth's open spaces to seize territories that are not their own. They are fierce and terrifying. Their views of justice and sovereignty stem from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards and more fierce than wolves of the night. Their horsemen charge ahead. Their horsemen come from distant lands. They fly like eagles swooping to devour. All of them 
come to do violence. Their faces are set in determination. They gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and rulers are a joke to them. They laugh at every fortress and build siege ramps to capture it. Then they sweep by, by like the wind and pass through. They are guilty. Their strength is their God. And Habakkuk prays again. He says, are you not from eternity, Lord my God? My Holy One, will, uh, you will not die. You appointed them to execute judgment, my rock. You destined them to punish us. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil, and you cannot tolerate wrongdoings. So why do you tolerate those who are treacherous? Why are you silent by those who wicked, uh, by those who is wicked swallow up one, the one who is more righteous than themselves? And then in chapter two, verse one, I will stand at my guard post and station myself on the lookout tower. I will watch to see what he will say to me and what I should reply or conclude about my complaint to God. Look back. How long, O Lord, shall I cry for help? And you do not listen. Is that your cry? It wouldn't be strange it was. Many of us have cried that over the years. And everyone who kind of thinks about life and who has care for the world around them. Everyone who is paying attention to what's going on and experience evil and pain. Uh, everyone who is looking for meaning and direction and purpose in this world. Sometime or another, we will be hit by thoughts like this. Why is heaven silent? Why does it seem like God is not speaking when it seems to us so obvious? That the best thing he could do right now is to speak louder than he ever spoke, clearer than he ever has. And if that's not something we express verbally, out loud, many, if not most of us, think that deep in our heart at some point or another. Why is God's way not our ways? Why is God acting so differently? Than what we would have done in the same situation. And so that, friends, give rise to the title for these things. What in the world is God doing? When things are so bad and we are so desperate to hear from him and he seems like he is busy doing other things. And then the question that follows from that, of course, is what are we supposed to do when he seems silent? Now, this is where we can learn from Habakkuk. Take a look back in the text. The first thing you notice right here is that Habakkuk turned his doubt toward God. It does not even occur to him for a flicker of a second to doubt the very existence of God. 
He expresses his doubt. He does so freely, but he brings it to God. God, speak to me. What's going on here? I don't understand. You know, nowadays, we have people who doubt God in everything. They doubt all kind of issues that relate to God. They, they doubt the theology that the Bible is, is teaching so clearly. They doubt the morality that fills every page of God's word. They, they doubt God's ability to, to actively enter and touch people's lives and change things as they walk with him. And often when you deal with people like that, you find them gathering in groups, either kind of on social media or various kind of online fora, fora or, or, or just in, in groups to kind of confirm each other and, and agree and amplify their doubt that they can all agree that God no longer need to be part of the mix. But look here, friends, at a back. Here's a man who, regardless of his frustration, regardless of his doubt, regardless of whatever's going on, he never makes the mistake of taking God out of the picture. Not one time. He dares to express his confused down deep in his soul, however, he is firmly anchored in the conviction that if he's ever again to find a way out of his frustration, to find a way back to peace, back to trust, back to confidence in, in life and back to joy, he has to find it with God. And he needs to bring his concern and his frustration there. Lord, speak to me. Talk to me. I don't understand what's going on. And so look at that last word we read. He said, I will stand on my guard post and station myself on the lookout tower. I will watch and I'll be looking to see how God answered my prayer and my looking. Looking for God in the midst of all these things. So the question is, friend, where do you bring your frustration, your irritation, your confusion, your where is God? How does my faith even help me at this point? Uh, do you pull yourself back in isolation? Some are doing that. And some of you may be, be doing that even at home at this moment. And by accident, you're kind of flipping through the channels and, and you got to this. Even when you look wherever you are, think through this for a moment. Uh, are you finding other people that, 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 that will just confirm and amplify your own questions and doubt that this world really is too big now for God to act? Or are you just clenching your teeth and saying, I'll get through it, I'll get through it? Or, or, do you realize with Habakkuk here that there's something that is happening, but it's not that God has stopped acting, it's just that we do not understand how he's acting 
at the moment. And you cry out to God, Lord, help me see your way. That God seems silent in no way indicates that he has stopped acting or that his engagement in your life has ended. So here it is, friends. Look, go back to verse 5, if you will, and notice how God answers Habakkuk. He says, I'm doing something in your days that you will not even believe when you hear about it. There's something grand coming. God is going to show his servant that he has not withdrawn, that he's not indifferent to his situation, but his way is different. In his almighty power, he can take things that we don't understand and for us seem to have only one purpose and transform that and use it for something good. Even in your personal life. Let's look back for a moment on the history of what's going on in in this text, if you don't mind, and just look. You know, God's people have been on a roller coaster throughout their history. They've had bad kings, a few good kings, but mostly bad kings. They've had revival where the whole people had turned to the Lord and God had done tremendous great things in their midst. And they have experienced kind of uh, apostasy and falling away from God and, and destruction. And the whole people had turned their back toward their own God Almighty. And the prophet now looks back over this whole history and all things. And he says... God, where are you in all of this? Why don't you do something? And God says, I am doing something. You have just not seen it. I'm still involved in your situation, but I follow my ways, not your ways. I'm the Lord. I have not lost control. I'm engaged even in your life this moment. Don't miss this. I am here, and I'll remain that. I have not lost control. And friends, that is the lesson for us to learn when we sit at home, where you are, wherever you are, when you meet around the water coolers, when you talk to other friends, when you sit at church. This is the lesson for us to learn is a, it's a kind of a school lesson in the school of prayer, if you will. Does God seem to be absent? I'm not asking you to answer that out loud. But be honest with yourself. If so, don't despair. He has not forgotten you. That he is silent to your ear and invisible to your eyes does not mean that he is not engaged in your world. It is not the task of the Almighty to place his way or his road right where your eyes are looking or or to kind of share his plans in the room 
way you are listening. So what he's doing, he's saying, come close. Come close to me. When things get frustrating, when you can't seem to see what's going on, when the world around you seems to collapse, draw close. And I'll turn your head so your eyes can see the road. I'll, I'll lean your ears so you can hear uh, my voice. That, dear friend, is Habakkuk's experience. His experience was that God's love forced him. To act. Look what he's saying in verse 13. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil and you cannot tolerate wrongdoings. God will act and be involved. So let me ask you, and please hear this. I'm not saying this because I need to preach a sermon this morning. It's your life. You get one up, right? Where do you have to go to be alone? Just you and God. Do you have that place? Do you use that place? Place to reflect? Place to plead with God? Place to draw close? Again, this is not rhetorical, really. You need to answer that question in your own heart in a very real way a place where you can just listen to God you know frustration and tiredness comes when we can't see what's going on if God has disappeared for you seek him because you have not disappeared to him looking For God, that's exactly what Habakkuk is doing here. I think most of you remember, by way of illustration, let me say this. Most of you remember Joseph, right? The second youngest son of Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. And Joseph has this dream one time when he he dreamed about himself being a, a kind of a sheaf of, of, of grain. And, and there was 11 sheaves around him. And they were all bending toward him in, in honor. And he, dumb kid, right? Shared that with his 11 brothers. And they got so angry because already they felt like he, he was their favorite son of, of Jacob. So they decided to, to kind of uh, sell him first to kill him. But then they decided just to sell him. So they, they sold him as a slave. First they dumped him in a well. And, and what he's doing is, God, where are you? Think of that if you think about What's going on in Joseph's mind during this time? We like these cute little stories about from rags to riches, right? And we read that story. We miss so much when we read it just that way. So he gets sold into Potiphar's house and, and, and he is there and, and we don't know exactly what's going on. He comes in as a slave and God remains silent. And he, oh, he, Potiphar, of course, was 
was the captain of, of the guards of Pharaoh and, and things began to turn and, and they saw, they saw uh, uh, Joseph as something special and he rose kind of in the ranks and we think, you know, how nice is that? But we forget there might have been like 10 years in between that. We know it's more than two, but, but it's, it's 10 years maybe. Well, he was just sweeping out under the horses by getting, getting rid of whatever was behind the, the livestock. And, and everybody commanded him to do this and that. God, where are you? What have I done that I now can't see you? Why do I have to live like a slave in, in this foreign place? And God remained silent. And then when finally he got to a position of prominence, Potiphar's wife uh, tried to seduce him. And, and because he wanted to do right in God's, in God's eyes, he refused that. And what happened? He was thrown in jail. <laughs> God, what did I do wrong now? And God remained quiet. And he was there for for uh, at least two years, again, this text says, but, but probably far more than that. And, and he's there. And the worst of the dungeon holes as this was the prison for the slaves. And so finally a cupbearer. And a baker is, is thrown in jail. They both have dreams and, and, and they, he could, they couldn't interpret it. And, and as if Joseph had not been Without the voice of God for all these, he says to them, I can't interpret your prayer, but I know someone who can. And God gives them the interpreta- him the interpretation for their dream. And as they are released and, 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 and the cupbearer uh, gets to, back to the, to the emperor. Pharaoh had a dream as well. Years have passed again and and then he's, he's reminded. He's reminded. Oh, there was this person in the prison that God used to interpret dreams. And, and so he was called out. And God gives him the interpretation of this dream. And the rest belong to world history, right? But don't miss all these years and these difficult times when he's there. But then... As God reveals, see, I've been there all the time, Joseph. But I was preparing you. I was preparing the circumstances. Not only will your life have, you know, be changed for yourself. That's not the point. But, but famine, not only in, in Egypt, but in, in your own uh, homeland, in, in Israel and in the whole region. Now, because of this preparation is now. Change. I have been there all the time. You didn't see me, but I was there. Friend, we need to gather around the table. Let's spend some time when we're there. We're looking for God. Some in your own life. You may be sitting at home on a campground or in a hotel room or wherever you may be. This may be a year from now. I don't know when you're listening to this. 
But if God has disappeared for you, you have not disappeared for him. He has no desire to hide himself to you, but he's following his own way. If you're tired, if you're frustrated, you're confused about what God's doing, don't let that beat you. Use that to draw close to God. That's how he's reviving his people, friends. Look to him, cry to him, speak out to him. Learn from Habakkuk that God will show you his way. And you will find him when you look to him. And then the tiredness, the confusion, the confliction will evaporate as you hear his voice and as you see his way. Looking for God. Next Sunday, friend, we're going to look at at chapter 2, waiting for God. We'll see how that moves. I hope if you couldn't be here today, go, you know, I hope you'll you'll be here next Sunday. All of you bring some friends. If they didn't hear this morning, I think this uh, book of Habakkuk has something special to say to us now. So can we prepare ourselves even at this moment to respond? Father, I ask, in the midst of our struggles, we admit to you, and we don't mind admitting to you, that we get confused, even have hearts filled with doubt at times, but we know where to go and where to bring it. So speak, friend. We ask Listen to the voices that come up from this church, from every individual. Allow us to learn when we are tempted to do the very thing Habakkuk did not do, to leave you out of the mix. Pull us back. As we look to understand what in the world you're doing, We ask that you will train us. Fill our hearts with the kind of trust that is willing to look to God and stand on the ramparts. Keep an eye out to see how you'll answer. As we gather around your table, O Lord, And we're reminded of what you did for us. That which we could not do for ourselves. Use that moment. As we partake in the bread and the wine. To remind us. How important it is. To walk with you. How much you love us. And how clear it is that although we may seem to us like you have forgotten us, you have not.
Brenda, I ask that you will spend this time in just a moment. I'm going to read the verses and we're going to ask that you come up. We have 11 stations around here. And we'll sing a song in a moment and, and we'll ask the deacons to come and be at these stations. And then as you come and take your, the elements and go back, we'll, we'll pray together. So can we sing a song, just a verse, and then we'll read from chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians.